This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, quick message uh, from me before we get into this week's podcast. After we recorded, we saw the tragic news that Luxembourg Red James Roberts sadly passed away at the age of 47. Um, it, it's rocked many in the fan base, taken many by surprise, including ourselves. You know, we're absolutely devastated for James, his young family, his wife. And, you know, we just want to offer our sincerest condolences to his family, his friends and all those that knew him. You know, his commitment to go to games, the worst games, you know, he would go over land and sea. His, his journeys would be remarkable. I, I would always be in awe of the journeys he would make, you know, six, seven hours, two flights. You know, I remember he drove once all the way to... I think it was to Ebb's fleet away and um, you know, it was always a smiley, fa- smiley face in the away end and he just had such a positive outlook on Wrexham and it really knocked me that he has been taken away before the end of the season in, in what is going to be a momentous and hopefully special season and you know I hope that it, it's marked on Saturday. I know the club are aware of it and, and tributes I'm sure will be arranged but more than anything, I, I really hope that we get this, the, the end of the season that he really, really wanted. You know, he lived and breathed Wrexham, encapsulated for me and for Rich, everything it means to, to be a Wrexham fan. You know, over land and sea, nowhere was too far, no game was too small for him to go to. So, yeah, we just want to say rest in peace, James. Uh, our thoughts are with all your friends, all your family and all the other Wrexham fans that knew you so well. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red. A Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Fay, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Kreuzer, hello. Thank you for joining us today on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Well, what a difference a year makes, eh? While last year's trip to Dagnum ended Wrexham's title hopes, this week's win in the capital reinforced them. Palmer was purring and Barnett was brilliant as Dagnum proved to be merely cannon fodder for Wrexham's formidable forward line. There's a four-point cushion at the top of the table, but we can't get too comfortable yet. With only 10 games left of the season, well, we're only just getting started. On today's podcast, we'll look back at a brilliant win, take a look at where it leaves the title race, and preview this weekend's match against South End. And I'm delighted to be joined on this Wednesday record by the birthday boy himself, Nathan Salt. How are you doing? Thank you very much. I very appreciate that. Uh, it is the birthday, International Women's Day as well. Lots going on. Uh, 27 years young, I will say. I'm not old at 27. Um, and that was the best present I could have gotten Tuesday. I, I'm still thawing out the rich. Very cold. Uh, did I wear the appropriate coat? Absolutely not. But it didn't matter. Um, you know, you mentioned that Dagenham game at the end of last season. I know we were both there for that. And and on the way in, we were talking to some of the fans that were gathered outside. We were talking about the atmosphere after that. Do you remember? We, you know, basically everyone stayed behind. The drum was going off. Flares were going yeah, off. High attitude, wasn't it? it was... We we lost we lost three nil though, and and yet the atmosphere was one of the best I'd been in for a long while. And um, and I, I saw Bryn Law, but that was the reward on Tuesday night. You know, a performance like that, utterly dominant, could have been more. You know, James Jones hits the post, get very unlucky. There were other chances. We'll get into the specific performances. You know, Andy Cannon, what on earth is he doing in the National League? Silly, silly level of ability. Um, but yeah, 27, three points, four points clear, top of the league, 10 games to go. Very excited, lots to be positive about. Yeah, it was the perfect sort of juxtaposition, wasn't it? The the away scenes that we got this time around because 
like you said, last day, last season, we lost 3 out to Dagnum and the away end was defiant and it was a wonderful send-off despite the defeat to say, we've got your back, we're here for the whole ride and to go to Dagnum and put that behind us was, was superb. Before we get to football, Nath, I have the same sort of torment as you that 27 years old you are now. You are older than Aaron Hayden. You're older than Andy Cannon. If we were signing you, I'd be worried. I'd be worried about that. Am I not? We've already established this. Am I not entering my prime years now? If I'm coming in as a 20... What position would I even play? There's no spots. If I was coming in as like a 27-year-old centre mid, would you be saying, you know what, he's he's ready to slot in? I'd be be worried. I'd be worried more (laughs) about your previous clubs, to be honest. That's... Yeah. I've been unattached for, for quite a while, um, so I'm probably not match sharp. But 27, I've told you this. I think that's entering your prime. But the fact that I'm, I, the fact that I'm young, I'm older than Aaron Hayden is uh, scary stuff. That is, I mean, I'm four years older than Ryan Barnett. So it's terrifying when you say you want to be like Aaron Hayden when you grow up, and then you realise you're older than him already. I mean, Aaron Hayden looks like a man. I look like a sort. I, I look like a boy. So, uh, a boy with a beard, that's what I look like. Um, it's so... always out there, isn't it? I, <laughs> Nath, I suppose that almost weirdly brings me on to the first point I want to get on to. Four changes on Tuesday night for the game against Dagnum. This Wrexham team, the squad depth is ridiculous. Jordan Davis has hardly sort of been integrated properly since he's come back from injury. Tom O'Connor, who's been our best player this calendar year, is still out. Aaron Hayden, who's arguably been maybe second or third best signing since the takeover anyway, has been missing for months. This Wrexham team's only going to get better. We made four changes. I think there's quite quite a lot of delight at the the changes we saw. You know, obviously Leighton coming in, Barnett kept his place. We had Cannon in midfield. I like the make of the team. Palmer up top. Young was rested. We understand, obviously, it is, Chloe's gone on the social media and said that she put that out herself. What did you make of the, the squad? Because for me, I just feel we are, as the title of this podcast should say, spoiled for choice at the moment. Yeah, um, the, the depth is silly, isn't it? Like, But, but that's, why you, that's why you invest heavily and that's why you build a squad like this. Because like you said, you, you lose Tom O'Connor any other season for Wrexham, that is that, that's devastating really to lose Tom, o- Tom O'Connor, Lainton and, and uh, Hayden. That's you know three quarters of your three quarters of your uh, spine you know and if I'm being honest Barnett I think had Ford been fit I think he would have come back in but still out uh, ill um, I think some people have been saying that's COVID but he's still out ill Lainson coming in was a no-brainer um, I think just given everything you know I was at Maidenhead and I mean we don't need to we don't need to go over it too much it's been spoken about to death the, the Mark Howard uh, mistake but he just you know I'd, I'd have been worried for him Um just, just with the, with the, with the kind of, uh, some of the vitriol being directed at him. I think just Lainton coming in was a no-brainer again. Um, and I, I have to say, I'm not. I've said it before. I said it after the Chesterfield game. I'm not a big fan of uh, dropping your captain from the entire squad. I know it's not had any bearing on the result. I just, I, I personally don't like it. Um, you know, and are you resting somebody if you're making them travel down and sit in the cold? And I was cold and I'm not part of the squad, but I'm not sure how much of a massive rest that is, but people are going to agree to disagree on that. The midfield looked very good um, in his absence. Uh, he's still been, you know, you've still been an amazing player, player of the season contender. I would have him back in. I'm sure we'll get into that later. I would put him straight back in on Saturday. Um, but nonetheless, you know, yeah, spoil for choice, Rich, because again, I was saying... I would have had Sam Dolby at the top, and you see Oli Palmer produce, you know, his best performance for Wrexham in months. So Phil Parkinson's got everybody in that squad ticking perfectly at the right time. You know, dare I say we're peaking at the perfect time. What is so fascinating for me is if you look at our last visit to Dagenham, which was the last day of last season, we lose three nil. There's there's a bit of mitigation to what I'm going to say because Dibble and Hayden were both injured, but if you look at Wrexham's lineup that day, the last time we went to Dagenham. Only four of those players started on Tuesday night. There has been such massive turnover in the Wrexham squad. And like like I said, it's just remarkable how quickly things have sort of changed in front of us. And you may, you sometimes have to take a step back and, and realise that because it's it's frightening, really. The, the well, Rich, I had, I, had, I had somebody next to me who, who was a Forest fan and he was just coming along as part of a bigger bigger group for the, for the night. And he was saying, oh, I don't recognise that player. I don't recognise that player from the documentary. So there was 
you know, and this isn't a criticism, it was just, it, again, to kind of hammer home your point is that there, there were lots of people, and very quickly there was a story of, I was queuing for the food at half time, long old queue, there was a lad in front of me who was an Aston Villa fan and his best mate was a Wrexham fan, so the lad was wearing a, the Philadelphia green away shirt, right, obviously we've seen previously very, very popular eBay sellers have sold that for an absolute wedge, haven't they? Um and a, a guy who'd flown in from Colorado went to the game, proposed in the food queue, proposed to this guy uh, a straight sw- uh, shirt swap. There you go, tongue twister. Uh, he didn't. He um, didn't get down on one knee. No, he didn't get down on one knee. He didn't. Didn't, didn't quite do that. But I think proposal. He, I think he would have done if there was a bit more interest in the in the shirt because he said, "Look, you take the Colorado Rapids. I think it was Colorado Rapids. You take the Colorado Rapids jersey I'm wearing right now, and I'll take the Wrexham." Philadelphia Green, and on we go on our way. Um, but no such swap occurred. I think uh, he got shot down. He he got he got he got yeah he took a dagger. He, he took a dagger in his hopes, mate. Uh, but that was very. I mean, yeah, it was just strange. It was very very an oddity because I don't think I would. I don't think I would dare go up to another fan and ask for a shirt swap. But there you go, he did and uh, unsuccessful. But yeah, um, it, 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 this guy was saying to me, you know. Um, the documentary. I don't recognise this person, this person, this person. And like you said, I looked at it and thought, "Wow, this team is very different to last season. You know, very, very different." You look at Mendy, Barnett, um, O'Connell, uh, Lainson, You know, was well, look, injured towards the end of our season. Well, even just this. So I don't want to get into it too much because this will bore so many people at home. But <laughs> if you look at the subs we had. So this Dagenham away last day of last season. Right. These are the subs we had. Right. How many? How many? Can I try? Can I try and guess them? I don't know. Go for, go for it if you want. Right. So, so what? Five subs last season. Five subs, and these were our game changes, of course. So we we are three 0 down. It's a d- disastrous sort of way the match transpired. But so, these are the players we had to to influence the game from the bench. So was McAlinden one of them? Yes, he came on. Right, McAlinden. Um, Hosanna. Nope. No. Uh, Hall Johnson. Nope. He started. No. Oh, he started. Okay. Uh, McAlinden. Who else are we going to have in there from last season? Um, Davis, he start. Yeah, he started. The, the other, two, the, the other two subs who came on have left the club. Right, uh, Angus. Nope. No. He, who else has left the club now? Quite painful uh, listening this for the viewers. Yeah, put me out. Put me out of my misery. So I've only got one out of so what? Who was even the keeper on the bench? It wasn't Lainton, was it? Lee Camp was the unused goal. Lee on the Camp. Wow. There Back you go. Got, yeah, Dan Jarvis and Jordan Ponticelli came on wow. the game. Unused substitution that day, Tom O'Connor. Bloody hell! There you Which go. Shows how quickly things have changed. I mean, Tyler French was starting because Hayden was out there. Like we said, we, we had Hall Johnson starting at right back. Dibble, of course, was was in goal, but. It's just that steady turnover, which is so miraculous. And I know we spent a lot of money, but we've got money to spend, so why wouldn't you do it? And I think the biggest testament to me, really, is the way that Parkey has managed his squad throughout this fixture congestion because the rotation has been warranted at times. We've questioned decisions before every game, and most of them have, have worked out. You know, He's had his hands tied to a degree. The main head game, he only had Howard to play in goals. So there was no other option, and you know Howard had been our number one for the majority of the season, which looks like it could be a record-breaking season. So there was obvious reason for that as well. And I just think that there's just so much depth, isn't there? And I'm starting to feel a lot more comfortable because, like you said, last season, injuries really ruined the season for us. Uh, You know, our wheels came off when Hayden and and Leighton were missing because, as I've said in the past, that is like Liverpool, that Van Dijk and Alisson. That is your spine. They're two Mm. real crucial players who are missing. And now we look okay. Tom O'Connor, I thought, was going to be that's the title race done. I really did feel that pessimistic. Mainly because I'm pessimistic every week. I'm stressed. <laughs> but I did feel like that could be huge, huge impact for us. And we've not really missed him that much. There's been moments we've looked a bit weaker, but we've got through it. And that's all that we, we We could have done. We could have done with someone to get grip of the midfield at Maidenhead. You know, that was particularly goal. And I think you see the Maidenhead first goal. That's a stunner. Yeah, you have to say I mean, that. That's a stunner. Okay, but, but, I mean, what, but change, I mean, I guess that's maybe the narrative that's working against Luke Young, isn't it? Because the only change in midfield that game was that he dropped out and 
Jones came in. We still every had everyone was and... everyone was collectively poor. I, I thought yeah. Cannon and Lee struggled big time at Maidenhead, and 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 if I'm being honest, Dagenham were terrible. If, if you want my opinion, they that I don't watch them every week, but they defensively they looked absolutely shambolic, and they offered very little in attack. You know, Effie on the side, Effie Young's a big hold up player, but they rarely threatened Leighton's goal. It was all speculative shots. That's there was sort of nothing. Been season, hasn't it? They've been very hot or cold, and if you look, they, w- there, they win and lose, and win and lose, don't they? And they, they were dreadful. Um, their last eleven games, they've not had a draw. They've either won or lost. Yeah. You know, they haven't been very consistent. And yeah. they did, as, they did as a favour, didn't they, with the win over Knots? And thankfully, we got them on a different day. But they still had to be beaten, Nath, and, and they were they did. beaten, and, and quite convincingly. I mean, if, should we get into individuals? Because yeah, I think we both pinpointed Andy Cannon I think everyone who watched the game pinpointed him as a, a proper magician he was just so calm collected and classy in possession of the ball that composure just influenced our our entire approach and you also were impressed by the new lad as well Barnett yeah I think you know we've called I was going to go back through one of the old podcasts where we were debating names and I plucked out Ryan Barnett as a kind of player that's always impressed me when we played Solly Hull as a I think he's a, he's a I'm not still not sure of him defensively. You know, he did get absolutely torn apart um, against Maidenhead. I thought Nathaniel George was outstanding. Actually, I, I, first time I'd seen him play, I thought he was absolutely marvelous. But the type of great non-league player, he'll just go brilliant. to another London club at the, yeah. the summer. He, he, he'll he'll be a Wealdstone or Barnet or somewhere, and, and he'll and he'll be very good. Um, but he was he was great and, and absolutely you know shredded uh, Barnet unfortunately. But what I would say, Barnet. Had a lot more opportunity to attack. Whether he whether he felt more comfortable next to O'Connell, I you know instead of Max, I, I don't I don't really want to get into that too much. But he he was able to attack a lot more, and you saw that trickery, you know that ability to cut to. The, and he would go to the byline, you know. A, a lot of our players like to cut back in, but what I, what I like in in Mendy and Barnett is they'll both commit to the byline, and they both whip it in. Um, and Barnett I think showed you flashes. Of a player that, it, it, if Ford comes back in and you end up bringing Barnett on late in games, he can he could become. A, I mean, he might start, but he could become if he, if he is to drop out for Ford. I think he has a real role to play as a as a direct winger threat if we if we need it. Um, and I think if if longer term our system switches and we end up having a four three three or whatever, you can't really see that right now. But he is of that Colclough mold. You know, a real orthodox winger. That for him, the challenge now is increased goals and assists. They're they're the numbers he'll be judged on more than the defending because obviously that is not his strong point. But from what I saw at Dagenham, significant improvement, and I came away very very impressed by him. That's what really encourages me as well because I've said before, I don't necessarily want backup wing backs. I want backup wingers. So if we do need a goal, or we need a moment of inspiration. You take a wing back off, you take Ford off, and you put Barnett on. And it's like having another attacker. You abandon the defensive duties to to a degree. I know that is a risk in itself, but there will be moments, there'll be times when where do you need to do that? And you think of the the games last season where it got away from us as well, where we desperately needed a goal, and we just didn't have that extra attacking player to bring on. It's it's easy to say, oh, get another striker on the bench, someone who can score the goals, but it's about getting the ball for them in the first place. And having Barnett there as an alternative on on the wing is is really exciting and. Just looking at those clips of him on social media as well, he is an out-and-out sort of traditional winger who runs to the byline, gets crosses in, but he could also do the inverted role if he had to. So he could come on for Mendy, say, and he could obviously be cutting in a lot onto his right foot that way, but he's, he's someone else who's got the options and is adds another sort of layer to the team as well because we've now got that threat from from the corner, from sort of from the wide areas and mm. crosses into the box and. Yeah, I was really impressed with him. And Naif, I suppose we have to give a shout out to uh, Rob Ryan Red sp- sponsor Jacob Bendy Bendy. I was about to say, yeah, I thought he was great and uh, well, uh, very well. Taken we're contractually goal. obliged to say we thought. He was great. <laughs> uh, no, I I did think he was great, um, and I thought he took his goal really well. Actually, he's had a few of them. Uh, I think at the race course as well, Rich, and, and you usually get a good view in the tech end where. He drags it, you know, on that left foot. He drags it usually a bit, bit, bit wider the far post. But he, he did well this one. Lifts it over the keeper. It's a great finish. It's a great breakaway. Um, and you know there isn't, with, with with respect, I think the difference between Mendy and Barnett and Ford and McFadden is 
Fordham McFad's in much more reliable defensively. Um, but Mendy and Barnett, the other two, I, in my opinion, don't don't compare in terms of what they can deliver in attack. So it's 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 a real gift, I think, to have because if you need to shore things up, you can bring on the other two. If you want to start off a bit more conservative, there's lots of options. But uh, Jacob Mendy, Mendy, so good they named him twice. I thought was brilliant, and and I thought he was brilliant as well at Maidenhead. He was one of the shining lights there. Um, you know, he, he chipped in the ball for Mullins' first goal, the first header. He's really starting to come into his own, Rich. I think he's just getting comfortable with the position. And and with Tonicliffe, I think that is a long-term partnership there for Wrexham. That is a partnership you could have for the next two to three years, maybe even longer. Again, that brings us on to the sort of longevity of this team. It's the fact that Yes, there's a big hurdle in the way. I don't want to look too far ahead, but if we were to go up this season, there wouldn't be need for massive overhaul in the summer. You have got such a good core of players there, and of course, the focus now is on ensuring we fulfil our potential over these uh, last 10 games. Another thing to praise, though, Nath, clean sheet. It almost went right at the end. Was it eBay? I can't remember. Not eBay. Bloody hell. eBay? Like Gumtree, whatever his name was. IB? Who, who was the substitute uh- for Dagnum? Yeah, it was it was it was something like that, but it, it probably wasn't eBay. I it was. I don't. I don't think it was eBay. I mean, it looked like it, his first touches looked like he'd bought. You could probably buy that on eBay. Vintage. Uh, what was his name? I can't remember it. Um, well, it was. He, it was. Raced, it was. He raced through anyway, and later smothered the ball well. That's what he does. But a clean sheet. It's something that we often criticise a team for for not keeping, and you know it's easier to do so. It's easier to say to keep a clean sheet than it actually is to to go and do it. But you know. Fair play, we got one. Uh, it's another confident boost, confidence booster as well. Rich, it's a real conundrum, I think, um, in terms of what is the long-term back three. Because for me, uh, for me, it would be Tunnicliffe, Toza, Hayden. That would be my long-term back three. As in, at long-term, I would just mean if you were to start next season, you know, what, what, would, what would be your back three on the opening day? That would be my back three. I'm obviously a huge fan of Max. His time will come. You know, eventually in, in the next couple of years, you know, you'll end up moving away from um, Ben Tozer as the anchor point, and it just the, the the squad will naturally evolve. But it, but then at the same time, O'Connell, you know, he gets the assist last night for Palmer's first goal. I thought he looked good in the air, very strong. Um, what I would say is that back three last night looked a little bit shy in terms of pace in behind. Um, it just helped that Dagenham were were not very good. Um, so but, that on another night we maybe do concede a goal or there maybe is a a, a chance a better chance for them to, to take really I thought that we were still a bit open at the back and obviously we do keep hmm. a clean sheet but in an odd way you can always have a game where you defend better and concede one goal than a game right. where you keep a clean sheet right. and let more chances through and have right. less control over the because you can let in a wonder goal from 30 yards or have a dodgy penalty against you and you factually don't have a clean sheet, but it doesn't mean you did right. as badly. So, you know, there's always going to be room for improvement there. And I'm always going to be very greedy in terms of what I want from from the side to, to, to be perfect, to be flawless. And it's just that it's just so tense. I'm just so worried in any but, but, sort of... But Rich, that, 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 back thre- that, that back three, O'Connell clearly is very talented. And so, you know, and he's dropped down a number of levels. Hayden is immensely talented. is is a huge threat in the air. You saw Tonicliffe score on Tuesday night with a header. You know, I thought that was a great header. It it looked a bit strange from yeah. it looked a bit strange from the away end. You might have seen better on the stream because he was. It looked like a man was completely covering him. I couldn't even really see Tonicliffe when when he made the header. Is it off the side of his head or what? What the hell happened? I didn't, I couldn't really tell from where I was. He seemed to be sort of falling backwards and adjusted right. the body in managed to guide it into the far corner. It was absolutely brilliant. And, yeah, again, just the threat with post and set pieces is fantastic. I'm still annoyed that we seem to be quite vulnerable from set pieces, but the fact we're so deadly from them is is amazing. And I agree. It's strange, that. that. When Hayden comes back in, for me, it's alongside Tozer and Tunnicliffe. I think that is yes. the most complete back line. It's got a bit of everything. It's got three players playing in their preferred positions. And it just makes you feel a whole lot safer, I think. Yeah, and it's—I mean—but then you've got, yeah, then you've got O'Connell and Max. 
you'd have to. I, I do feel sorry for him, but you'd have to say that we've probably seen the last of Harry Lennon in a Wrexham shirt now. I think think that's hardly a hot take. You know, he was given the chance, wasn't he, to prove his fitness. When he's been fit and when he's played, I think he's looked good. And, you know, we, we were worried at Sheffield United away about him. He played well, had a bit of a rough start, but he really grew into that game. Just a shame how, how things have worked out. I don't know right now if he's if he's injured or not, but, you know, with O'Connell sort of next reserve and Max is very highly thought of at the club. I mean, you've got five elite centre-backs there, haven't you, really? Which, over the course of a campaign, when you're playing three of them every week, I know people are critical of, of certain Max in particular, people are critical of, but he's still a quality centre-back for, how old is he, 20 years old? And to have those five, I think, is an, an embarrassment of riches, really. And again, he's a player who, oddly enough, I think will get better the higher up the leagues we go when yeah. the game's suit him more, he's given more time on the ball and... Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Max Clueworth is hardly an issue at the moment. Rex Absolutely not. Four points, aren't they? Another player to pick out then, Oli Palmer. I was surprised to see him start. Same as you, I thought Dolby deserved to to start. Palmer comes in and that was him at his very best. He could have had three or four, really. He has that header at the far post that goes just over. And he has about two shots in the second half that are deflected wide. He was absolutely brilliant. He had the bit between his teeth and... It looked like last season again when Palmer and Mullen were a proper strike partnership and oddly enough, Wrexham scored four goals away from home and Mullen had a pretty quiet game. He, I mean, he looked shattered. I mean, and I'm not surprised. He plays every game and, uh, yeah, and then he, he, you can't rest him <laughs> in a weird way. He, he has to play. Um, he's going to get a very well-earned break in the summer, I'm sure, before this pre-season tour of America. I hope he does. I hope he gets a nice holiday in and gets a proper chance to relax because the wear and tear on him is, and the expectation and demands on him is huge. But really, Rich, I, I noticed a way at Maidenhead that Palmer had the bit between his teeth when he came on. You know, clearly he's, he's very ambitious and thinks very highly of himself. You know, he was just on a podcast recently saying he thinks he'd get 20 goals for Man City in the Premier League. So he's not short on self-confidence. And... I'm sure getting dropped for Sam Dolby stung. I would. I don't know how other way you want to dice it up. Players don't like getting dropped. Um, and I think it was the right decision by Parkey. I think his form had tailed off. Um, consistently it tailed off, in my opinion. And came on at Maidenhead. I thought he looked lively. Put himself about. Did a job. I thought I was quite impressed there. Started against Dagenham, I think that is one of the best performances he's put in in months probably potentially his best performance this season it was really really complete he was pressing um like a maniac and you know could have had even more you know it could have been his first Wrexham hat-trick it wasn't to be but you know nine out of ten really for me I thought it was a, a really really good display the first goal it, it, I mean it's a, it's an okay ball into him I, I don't think it's amazing and um, I don't think it's like on a plate for him I think that's a really really good finish Olivier Giroud-esque, that kind of near post um, side foot. And then the second one, um, you know, it kind of it sits up nicely for him, rebounds and 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 uh, I think is it Barnett with the cross, it sits up there and he, and he slots it. But I've, I'm really impressed, Rich. I thought, yeah, he's responded perfectly and Parky must be delighted with his man management there because rather than sulk, um, he's, he's come out and, and delivered a huge performance in a huge game. That's, again... Another shout out to Phil Parkinson for his man management because I think he just handled it so well and it's going to be another big test to do so over the next 10 games. Of course, the slightly odd nature of the next 10 games is most of them are just one game a week now. There's right. obviously the Easter doubleheader, the Good Friday, Easter Monday, which is Halifax and Notts County. There's the Yeovil game on a Tuesday night as well, but there's maybe less need for rotation coming up, but I'm sure there still will be because... As you said, Phil Parkinson needs to motivate players. He needs to make sure no one is getting complacent. And I guess last night against Dagnum almost answered the concern that we've had that what if Mullen got injured or Mullen wasn't available for a match? He he still is Paul Mullen. He always makes things happen out of anywhere and you want him in your team. But the fact he did have a quiet game and we still won 4-0 did at least go some way to easing those concerns. Of course, we want Paul Mullen. He is still... Paul Buddy Mullen, you know, he's the best player in the National <laughs> League. So there's always going to have to be allowances to get him in the team. But I think it was just encouraging that, you know, we 
we can win without him playing it at his best and having to drag us through games like like he was doing so often last season. And I don't think there's any game coming up where you'd say rest Paul Mullen from the start, but you this can't, is at least good can't. to do so if we're comfortable after an hour or whatever isn't there, which is well, that's, that's which what is did. change from last season, yeah. That's, that's what he did on Tuesday. And, and, and if anything, there were lots in the away and calling for that sooner. You know, as soon as that third goal went in, myself included, was like, right, take him off. You know, 3-0 up, get Sam Dolby on. Sam Dolby's been playing great recently. I really wanted to, I mean, we'll get onto the midfield shortly. I really want to see Jordan get some more minutes. But yeah, in terms of Palmer and Mullin, as I said, the the demands on Mullin are absolutely immense. And more often, and Parky was talking this week, wasn't he, about how he, he's coming off the pitch black and blue. And you'll get critics saying he goes down too easy and this and that. But he is taking some absolute pelters um, from opposition. And the reason I think those around him are flourishing is because he takes so much attention. You know, even last night off the ball, maybe it wasn't so obvious on the stream, but off the ball, his movement, I thought, was sublime. And his runs were causing chaos because he was dragging defenders out to places they didn't they didn't want to be. They had no business being in, you know, because he, he's willing to go quite deep to receive the ball. And, and then what does the centre-back do? Do they go 35 yards out from goal and stick with him, you know, man-to-man, touch him, touch him, kind of make sure they're in touch and distance? I, they don't really want to do that. And then, therefore, if you stand off him, he's got all the time in the world to pick pick balls out and pick players out. So, you know, what he does, even when he's having a quiet night and he hasn't scored, he's still very effective. But I was really chuffed to see Parky take him off in, in the nice possible way because, you know, he is somebody who does need any type of rest he can get because it, he is so important to everything we do. It's an interesting one that I've seen sort of debate on social media since the, the win Nath is where does it rank amongst Wrexham's best performances, particularly away from home under Phil Parkinson? I know there's one particular Twitter account that maybe <laughs> seems to not enjoy when Wrexham win, um, all five of them, shall we say. Where does that rank for you? Because I thought, you know, there were moments of looseness, but this is the National League. It's the fifth tier. It's not going to be ticky-tacker for 90 minutes. It's not going to be total smothering of your opposition. I thought we just always looked comfortable, always looked like we could score more goals. Yes, we might have conceded a goal on another day, but the fact of the matter is we didn't, and we scored four, and we could have scored even more. I was really impressed, and it was a type of away performance that we haven't maybe seen as much as we would have liked to, but I was really impressed. Professional performance, and it's right up there with me, with probably one of the best away performances. There's been better away results at moments, but in terms of a total performance, I was really impressed with Dagenham. I, I thought for me that was the best performance of the season. Um, you know, you you may have a home performance in mind that I, I just think Dagenham really tough place to go. We we never seem to do well there, and and we absolutely bossed it from start to finish. There was no player really that played poorly. We really did boss it and we looked in total control. Could have been more, you know, could have been five, six, seven, in my opinion. Um, and I was racking my brain trying to think of performance. It, for me, still, the most pivotal result, in my opinion, was the Bromley home game where we go 1-0 down and we win 2-1. Um, that, for me, is still absolutely huge, that turnaround. And I think psychologically at that point, it was absolutely massive. Um but yeah, I mean, in terms of away performances, I'm struggling to think of a better one. But even at home, I mean, have you got a game in mind that that you thought was just head and shoulders above everything else? Again, there's mitigation because Torquay at home was total dominance. Yeah, so that's true. Torquay, I was there for that. Who were, you know, 22nd of the league at the moment. There was right. a big spell of Sheffield United at home where the second half we were unbelievable and we looked so confident. But again we concede three goals and we throw away what should have been a, a passage to the next round there. I Yeah, I would say that, that it probably go, does go down as, as one of the, the best performances. I mean, dorking away I wasn't at, but that was similarly as, as convincing, wasn't it? That was a 5 niller. 
I, I think it has to be right up there. And like I said, last season, we won some big games. I remember sort of Chesterfield away was immense, but we weren't convincing. We were dreadful for the first half. And then we really turned it on and became a much better force. Those home games on the Tuesday nights, Halifax, Boreham Wood, they all had moments of worry in them and Wrexham came good again. I would say, yeah, when I think about it, it's the last two years against a decent team in the National League. I can't remember another performance quite as convincing from start to end as, as what we saw. Rich, I, I would say in terms of the entire, if we're looking at the entire Parkinson era, I would say Stockport at home in the league is still, in my opinion, the most impressive yeah. result. Yeah, I, I still think that for me was the best result Parkinson's had. Uh, a best, no, best result, best result, best performance, everything. I thought, you know, you, you ripped apart the eventual champions and they couldn't have any complaints. As much as, you know, my favourite moment, I would get a bit sidetracked here, but my favourite moment in the Parkinson era is Paul Moyn chipping the goalkeeper um, FA, FA Trophy semi-final. Um, and then I would say closely followed by Sam Dolby scoring a header at Coventry. Those are my two. They're, they're, they, are, they are the ones that, for me, they're the standout moments. But, you know, I always think back to the ball played to Paul Mullen on the struggle half-time in that Stockport game. You know, just brilliant ball. I think it was Davis. Was it Davis? Plays it plays it through some Mullen slots just before half-time, 2-0. You know, absolutely brilliant. So, for me, that's still the benchmark. But if you want to look at this season, there have been big results and there have been a couple of disappointing ones. But, and yeah, Torquay... But Dorking, what are the other big wins? Barnet, Barnet was seven five, wasn't it? Um, Woking away, when you look back, was a big win, but wasn't massively convincing on the day. This one was utter dominance um, at, against a team that are just outside the playoffs. So for me, best performance of the season so far. Nath, I suppose the next question or debate that's hard to answer going forward is, what is our strongest eleven for the rest of the season? It will be a squad effort, we must interject there, and it won't be just down to 11 players to get us over the line. But with Hayden on the return, with Tom O'Connor back soon, with Jordan Davis still on the bench and not properly integrated again or unleashed to his full capabilities, just who is in Wrexham's strongest eleven for you? I mean, from back to front, I feel like we... We're in agreement. Leighton in goal. Yeah, yeah. Back three of Tunnicliffe, Hayden and Toza. Yeah. Ford and Mendy as the wing-backs? Yes, for me. Yeah, to both of those. Midfield is maybe where we have a slight disagreement then. I mean, <laughs> as we've said, Luke Young's performance, or absence, sorry, on Tuesday, has certainly put the seed of doubt there about whether he's in our best eleven. but you've got to look at the full season. And for me, he's been arguably the, the player of the season so far, so... Luke Young, for me, is still in there, alongside Tom O'Connor. And then we've got one last space. Lee, Cannon or Davis? I mean, it's such a small sample. So, I mean, Luke Young would be in there for me um, based on this season. And then I want to caveat it with maybe what I think going forward. But Young, O'Connor, yeah, definitely. It's such a small sample size with Andy Cannon, isn't it? Because Elliot Lee's come up with some really big moments. Eastley and there were a couple of others. Um, I'm also massively high on Jordan Davis. I think people are maybe starting to forget how good he is technically. Um, oh, what is it? I'm. You know what? Screw, screw it. I'm. I'm going to go um, Andy Cannon. I don't. I know the sample size is small, but I'm going to go uh, O'Connor, Young, and Cannon as my three if we were picking if if everyone was healthy for Saturday I know O'Connor's not but if everyone was healthy for Saturday that would be the midfield I would play it's yes really tricky isn't it I think I almost go I think I put Lee in there based on what he's done right at the moment I know he's someone who really does divide fans as well but I think he's just classy and helps us have that composure I suppose I'm going to contradict myself here and say, you know, the, the whole point of this is that we have got so many options. And again, to use the catchphrase on the podcast, we are sport for choice with, with who we've got. So I think for me, in an ideal world, it would be Young, O'Connor, Lee, and then you can bring Cannon on if you need to control the game or if it's good. Rich, what's what's the long term? What's that? Lo- what does that midfield look like long term? If If we go up, knock on wood, if we go up, what realistically is is a, is a 
is a midfield that's going to take us to a League Two title or League Two promotion. Because for me, I, it pains me to say it because I, I obviously love Lee Young. I don't want to sound like Dean Keats, but I love Lee Young. But I would say Tom O'Connor. Cannon, for me, Tom O'Connor, Andy Cannon, and Jordan Davis. That would be my. That would be my. Th- I know we we differ here, but that would be my three. And I love Elliot Lee, speak, so it's yeah, tricky. I just think Lee's been so good against football position when we've seen him that it just bodes, for me, it just indicates that he'll be really good if we got into League Two as well. It, again, fa- people listen to us be saying, let's get promoted first before we start contemplating. Sure, no, sure, 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 season. sure. But just a question, just hypothetical. Yeah, and, and again, that's that's what's so good is the fact we've built a team that has that longevity, the, the potential to go and stay together for a few years and like we said, if we were to go up, then you possibly only need a couple more signings to to then compete at the next cool. level as well, which is absolutely Rich, what, Rich, what I would say, I said you need, you, we, we might get all different variations of that midfield. What I would say is any of the players we've currently got, James Jones, Luke Young, Tom O'Connor, Andy Cannon, um, Elliot Lee, Jordan Davis, all of them could be brilliant in League Two. All of them have a role to play if if, if we go up. So, you know, I, I wouldn't want to see any of them depart, really. That There would be no need to get rid of any of them. Um, so, you know, can to and fro over Davis or Lee or Young, Jones, Cannon, because, you know, we didn't really touch on it, but I thought Cannon on Tuesday night, it's, for me, it's his low centre of gravity almost. You know, he can turn on a turn turn on a postage stand, basically. Just his swivel and, and the breadth of his passing, that's what I tweeted out, just... He can ping it short, he can kind of chip it, dink it long. Just looks so classy. That's the word you used, and, and I think that's the perfect word to sum him up. He's incredibly classy on the ball, and and I would say I, d- I don't think he presses the ball quite like Elliot Lee or, or Luke Young or James Jones, but he, he's a, he is a real, it's a cliche, but can we call him a Rolls-Royce? Is that the... Is that the best car you can call somebody a Rolls Royce? Seems like it, doesn't it? But he, is, he, he was a real Rolls Royce of a player, I thought, in 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 that midfield, in what was freezing conditions on a semi decent pitch. He certainly wasn't a Renault Clio, uh, and he was to speak for that for a bit for experience. <laughs> Nath, your birthday today. Yes, thank you very much. Also International Women's Day, and it's our first chance since we've been recorded to congratulate Rex and women winning women on winning. The title. Uh, there you go. Absolutely Big. superb. Uh, what an achievement that is. And of course, I think the most important thing is to say, try and get to the race course for the next match, a final game of the season, where Wrexham are trying to beat the record for the highest crowd for a domestic women's game in Wales. The record is currently 5,175. Which Yeah, well, it's yeah Cardiff, wasn't it? Cardiff City women, when they uh, beat Abergavenny Town uh, last November. Wrexham... I think we've sold almost 2,000 tickets for that game, but it's a good start. Again, the season, a real chance to to show them your gratitude and to congratulate them. And of course, there's so much excitement with the tier one application and the possibility of promotion to the top flight next season. Wrexham have won the northern section of the league, and if they're if that uh, tier one license is granted, Wrexham women will have to play a playoff match against the winners of the southern division, and the winner will go into the the top flight. So. Yeah, just a massive, massive Big. congratulations uh, to them. And go see the trophy lift. Go, go, go. The, the yeah, chance. great. Rosie Hughes, Amber Light for all these great players. And you know, we were talking the other week about Sam Dolby. You know, kind of a player developing in front of your eyes. This women's team is full of players like that. You know, I'm, these these players that are particularly, I think Amber Lightfoot. I mentioned that. I think she's had a she's had such a good season. She's such a good goal scorer and. You see clips of her finishing and so much has been made about Rosie Hughes and, and that's well known and she is probably more of the finished article in terms of what what she is as a, as a player and that's a very, very good one. Um, but there's lots of girls in that, in that team that I think are, are becoming great and, and to see some of Wrexham's you know, young female fans who are you know, very inspired by this team, it's, the impact will be massive and I hope they get their showing in the documentary. I hope they get maybe a bit more of a focus this time around because they've deserved it. And yeah, be there at the race course. Go see the trophy lift, and you know, go see Gemma and Steve Dale and all, all these people that are putting in hours and hours of work. And you know, that that's the reward. So yeah, I'm really really chuffed for them. Congratulations and and enjoy it. Enjoy the celebrations. And of course, this whole podcast has been about can Rex and win the league. Well, they just have. They have won. 
you know, this is <laughs> the win, the league with that fantastic win at Real. And of course, as we said, Connor's key nomads at home Sunday, the 26th of March at the race course. Fill it out, get there, take down your family, give them a chance to see. You might not have watched Wrexham women before. This might be a new experience to you. Just go along. It'll be maybe a different environment to when you go on a Saturday for a 3 p.m. kickoff, but it'll be a real feel-good factor. You've got champions at the race course. That's all we wanted at the start of the season. Champions. To see a league title there. We might have a double promotion to celebrate as well. But yeah, get yourself down there and see. Yeah, see the next generation as well of, of Wrexham. And of course, the other exciting thing on the women's side is if they get to the top flight, there's the possibility of Champions League football at the end of it. Barcelona, Real Madrid. Madrid. Last year, didn't we? And she said, yeah, oh, that is a, a possibility. And it's That's such the a dream. real good story. And again, I just want to say a massive shout out to Robin Ryan and everyone at the club for not just focusing on the men's senior team. This has been about the Powerball. It's been about the women's team. It's been about having more inclusivity and making Wrexham accessible to as many members of the public as you can, to a whole new catchment area, to inspire a whole new generation and to get a new audience into the club that just weren't there before. It's not just about what we mainly concentrate on on the podcast, which, you know, that is what we've been following our whole lives is the men's senior team. So that's why the podcast is mainly centralised around that. But there's so much other good stuff happening at Wrexham and we're just so delighted to see it. It's just such a feel-good place and fingers crossed we'll have that double promotion come the end. Fingers crossed as well. Also, Rich, I was going to say just a quick update for anyone who's been listening recently. I did get given a second season on my FIFA career mode. Uh, The board did give me another go and managed to get us up to League One. So uh, things are looking up for Wrexham there. So I did get promoted... I suppose the question to you then is what midfield did you have? Because if, if we were uh, to midfield's good enough to win League 2, you must already know. Uh, well, unlike Phil Parkinson, I utilised the loan market. So I uh, ended up freshening it up. I, in the end, I had um, I had Luke Young still at the base. I had Elliot Lee and Jordan Davis rotating game to game. I got Lewis Hall in, in on loan from Chelsea, who was an absolute baller for Wrexham. Uh, and he was itching to stay about it. isn't it? That's a long, that is a long old commute. And then I had, who else did I have in that? I had George Lapsley from Mansfield because I lost. James Jones left and I don't know. Everyone was, there was a big turnover. Lots of people weren't getting the minutes. I, I wasn't very good at the whole man management, making sure everyone stayed happy. I was getting a lot of the notifications for player chats. Gaffer, why am I not playing? So clearly I'm not cut out to, to manage a big squad of 30 players, mate, because I was rubbish at that. Yeah, thankfully it's a lot easier to do on the podcast than say two of us to, to keep happy. And you're one of them, so you should be quite easy to manage yourself. Nathan, the title race takes another twist this weekend. Wrexham yes. at home to South End on Saturday, and then Notts County are the evening match. BT Sport against Dorking, they're also at home. South End, eighth in the table in the form guides. They are fifth. They're doing really well. They're not a team to be taken lightly. But if you want to win a league, you've got to win these sort of games. And you've been getting the lowdown on them ahead of the match. Yeah, I mean, Chris Chris Phillips of the South End Echo is Mr. In my in my mind and my book, my contacts book, he is Mr. South End, you know, and uh, is a fan and is a reporter and is a really brilliant reporter. And he's been on the podcast before. So I called him up and said, look, what's going on? Give me a lowdown, South End. What's happened to Jake Hyde? What's happening with Ron Martin? How good is Kevin Mayer? And do Southend have any cat in house chance? Uh, of course they do, by the way. Uh, at Wrexham at the weekend. And apologies, that the, I think his first answer is a little bit ropey with his signal, but it should settle down. So here is what he had to tell me uh, about ahead of the weekend trip to Wrexham. <laughs> Chris, every time I feel like I want to call you, something crazy is happening. We didn't even know for sure if this game was happening, I would say, a fortnight ago. Wrexham fans were wondering if this game was... I mean, God, South End fans must have been wondering. Catch us up in in as kind of short... I mean, I'd probably need a podcast series to get to what the hell's going on at South End. But in the time I'm speaking to you, what the hell is going on? 
I know that you've got your own show on TV, <laughs> and I always wonder why Southend haven't been selected because there's more drama going on at Southend than in any soap opera that's on the telly right now. So I don't even know where to begin, and we don't know where it'll end. That's the sad thing with Southend United at the moment. It's, it's just one thing after another. So we survived the last that was considered on the 1st of March back in the high court there and funnily enough after our stress it was less than 20 seconds that we were actually inside court for the club statement came out the night before that the debt had been settled which I believe was close to two million pounds in the end so yeah that got off but the problems remain in a big way for Southend they've been in a transfer embargo since September and that's really proven problematic at this stage and and so are the finances really staff are still unpaid and, and you do fear that there'll be another winding up petition not before too long and it's just tough to take because every now and then you'll, you'll get a glimpse of what Southend could be and, and what Southend should be really there was over sort of 7,000 there for, for the game on Friday against Barnett and the team are, are giving all but they just need a bit of help as Kevin Mayer said last night they're perhaps running out of legs a little bit and they just need fresh in in attacking areas to, to be able to kick on from here and at the moment you do feel that the South End maybe might fall away for the playoff race but this team keep on surprising us and keep on bouncing back from difficult situations so with my fan hat on hopefully they can do it again the ultimate siege mentality, really. You know, everything's going wrong, so you just play play your hearts out as best you can. But but you don't have um, the, the the main centre back from the outside, Lapata, Le, Lapata, something like that. What what's what's gone on there? Is that yeah. you know that that seems like it's got um, quite so, ugly with with the fans, uh, not the fans so much, but got, got quite ugly with Ron Martin and, and the player in that sense. Yeah. So to cut the story short, basically, um, Southend's players went 28 days late in waiting for their January pay packets. Um, so Casper then decided uh, to, to sort of hand in his note to a hearing and a few other representatives, and, and they sided in Casper's favour. So he's able to leave. Um, there's an interesting club statement off the back of that that they sent me that to say the South End will start a process, and they made it sound like it it wasn't the end of the matter. So I think they may be trying to contest it, but then it could get a bit messy because he doesn't want to be here. Then why are you trying to sort of convince him to come back? Or maybe it's financial. I'm not too sure, but that could get messy. But if you talk to Kevin Mayer, his stance is that he only wants players at the club that want to be here. So in his eyes, it's done and dusted. And and he's gone and, and, and a blow. Um, he's a very good centre-back. If you look at South record with and without him in the team, it's obviously an awful lot better when he does play. So it was just yet another blow. And, and, and that's the problem that you've got with South End. It's just, it's just one thing after another, really. I think it can't get any worse. It, it does. And, and that's why it's tough to take. And you just sort of think it's got as bad as it can. And then something else will happen. And yeah, it's just um, tough times following South End at, at the moment. Right, one thing after another should be South End slogan. I think that's the. Uh, yeah, I always think it should be as well. Put it underneath the badge. <laughs> that is that. I mean, it is really one thing after another. You, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. I think. Um, you know, but on, in terms of the football at the weekend, big game. For, well, every game is big for us now in, in the race for Notts County. South End, one of the few teams, very few teams, have been able to shut Wrexham out. Um, and and you know that was the game where Jake Hyde played which was very bizarre for us given he was on loan um he played and, and he scored the goal that was offside or was it onside or everyone was debating was it handball and all these other things um but, but you did shut Wrexham out a- any hope at all that you know I know you lost on Tuesday night to Chesterfield but any hope at all that you can cause problems for Wrexham um, it's such a difficult one, isn't it? Your squad's so strong and you've got to look at players. I mean, we played Chesterfield last night and the players that they were bringing off the bench and the players that they've been able to sort of strengthen their squad with is ridiculous, really, in comparison to uh, what Southend have at their disposal. So there's always a slight chance. You have to believe that you, you can win a game. There's no point going into it otherwise if you think mm. that you're just going to be beaten. So I think there is a slight chance from Southend's point of view. But you look at the strength that Wrexham have and the players that they have 
at their disposal and it is a slight chance that the options that you do have are, are fantastic. You've only got to look at, at Sam Dolby, who was one of sort of Southend standout players last year. Has sort of I know he's played a little bit more recently for you, hasn't he? But he's been sort of struggling to get into the side and he would be a regular starter if he was still at Southend. So yeah, they, you have to believe there is a slight chance, but if you probably played this fixture sort of 10 times, Wrexham will probably win nine of them, but Southend just have to hope that it's that it's their day and things go their way. And every now and then teams get one of those days where things don't seem to go in their favour and Southend have got to hope that um, Saturday is one of those for Wrexham. We, we've got to ask, uh, Jake Hyde, Callum Powell, uh, yeah. how, are they, how are they getting on? Because from the outside, you know, I know, uh, you know on this podcast we Big, you know, we we love Jake Hyde as a bloke, really nice guy. Yeah, but nice but guy, his, his body seems to let him down quite a lot. Yeah, that's the problem with, with he hasn't really been able to get a sustained run in the side. He's always been sort of struggling with injuries. He did have a spell earlier on in the season where I think he got four goals in five games, and and that was the best spell that he had. And you could really see that his capabilities that. He could sort of get in the right place at the right time. He could hold the ball up and bring others into play. And he could get a goal or two. But since then, he, he just hasn't been fit. He's had a hamstring injury and he's he's come back from that. And now he's got another hamstring injury. And when he came back this time, he didn't look fit. He didn't look like he was sort of getting up to speed. So he needs to have games, doesn't he, to be able to fulfil the potential that I'm sure he does have, or the talent that he does have, rather than potential at his age. But unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to to keep fit. I know he thinks that he didn't um, get much of a pre-season this summer um, and I know he thinks that that sort of proved problematic for for him during the current campaign. So it's a shame really because you can see that there's a good player there but he hasn't been able to get enough minutes um, to really show what he can do and I don't think he'll be available at the weekend either. I think it's incredibly doubtful that um, that he'll be available again and, and it's just... A real problem, really. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. But yeah, it was quite an interesting one, wasn't it? That you allowed him to sort of play. That was bizarre um, for us. That was bizarre for us. We couldn't couldn't get. I had, and it was and it was typical that he had the big moment, right? Where he yeah, he, yeah. And uh, I've never seen so many squiggly lines on offsides and handballs. That was a fiercely. Yeah, it was. It was sort of um, like a National League VAR attempt, wasn't it? So, it was uh, uh, lots of lots of angles and and really inconclusive, <laughs> but. And yeah. also for us, we we cannot. A lot of us cannot get over this Callum Powell redemption arc, where he looks half decent in the national league. Well, what's happened there? He he seemed useful from what we've seen looking up from the outside. Yeah, he's he's one of those players that just gives absolutely everything. Um, he's not always going to convert a high percentage of the chances that that are coming his way, but he really does continue to give his all, and he's he's quite quick, so he can cause problems in behind. Um, he's probably one of those that probably hasn't quite been. At his best, his form maybe sort of dropped off a little bit, perhaps to the fact of the of the number of games that he's had. A lot of injuries that Southend have had have, have, have come to players in um, attacking areas. Obviously, you mentioned Jake Hyde, but yeah. Reese Murphy's been injured. Chris Ray's been injured. Dan Mooney, Harry Carbell. There's been a lot of injuries to sort of Southend in, in that final third of the pitch. So a lot of the brunt of that has sort of fallen onto, onto Callum Powell. And he's, he's had to play a, a lot of games in a short space of time and maybe he's sort of starting to, to run out of steam a bit. But he can always be relied upon to give his best. He gives everything that he has. He's got eight goals this season. So he's Southend's Joint top scorer, which I know probably doesn't seem very many. Uh, we've been there. Hey, we've been there. We've been there. Sent uh, back with six goals a few years ago. That top <laughs> we've been there. Don't well, worry. We had one a couple of years ago when we got relegated from the football league when it was three. So that was <laughs> um, that was the uh, the most depressing one we've had. But yeah, he's one of those um, players that gives his all, and you can't ask for for any more than that in, in tough times for for Southend. He'll he'll keep going, and he never hides away. That's probably. The, the best thing about yeah. him is even when he's having one of those days and he's missing hatfuls of chances and, and it's been really frustrating, he won't hide. He'll, he'll still want the ball and he'll still get into those areas where he can look to, to try and score. So I think his his attitude on the pitch is, is really good. And um, yeah, he's been okay for Southend this year. He probably could do with a bit of a rest and mm. be used sort of less frequently to get the best out of him when he is on the pitch. But Southend have been in this embargo since September. So yeah. they simply don't have those options to be able to do that. And lastly, I'll try and I don't want to get too much into uh, you know, Ron and the stadium. No, that's and, all right. and all that, you know, it, it, it's just an ongoing thing with Southend, right? But yeah. for me, 
Kevin Mayer, I think, has got a real chance. Even if even if you don't get the playoffs now, I think he's got a real chance of being manager of the year in the league. I know, oh. you know, Phil Parkinson and Luke Williams will both get over 100 points. Yeah. And but given everything that's gone on, you know, speak, I guess, a little bit to the job he's done because oh, it, is the, it is potentially the worst working conditions of any manager in the league, really. Yeah, uh, yeah it's the hardest job yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I know that the attention will be given to the, to those teams at the top, and, and rightly so. They've done a they've done a really good job as well. So I can completely understand that. But I don't think anyone would have to put up with more than than what Kevin Mayer's had to do at Southend. And the problem is, is say from the players and the the youth team coaches and, and people like that that they've had their issues. They all go to him. He's then had to be the one that is the spokesman because no one above him will really talk to the media or anyone else. So he has to front up the questions two or three times a week about everything that's going on. He's then got his own worries. So then he has to try and get answers from, from those above him. Um, he hasn't been able to bring in any player at all since September. Um, so he's had to use the, the small group of players. He's lost GPS. He hasn't got that because the club can't afford it. The youth team players went on strike. So they've not really been able to sort of get games behind the scenes for players that are coming back from from injury. So the list is just endless. And for Southend to be anywhere near the playoffs is is remarkable. Yes, they they have got a good squad of players. Um, They've recruited well, and that's credit to him as well. But the job that he's done, I would say, is I'm probably biased because I sort of know the stuff that doesn't get put out into the open as well and the things that he has to that he has to put up with. But yeah, for me, I think he's definitely up there with um, the National League Manager of the Year because of how much he's, he's had to deal with. I, I don't think there's any other manager in in the country that could even come close to dealing with half of what he has and it makes me laugh sometimes when you see some of these Premier League uh, sort of managers moaning about having to play like a certain number of games in a certain number of days or other things that they're having to contend with and I think blimey you should come and manage that then <laughs> <laughs> So there you go Rich I mean it, as much as you've mentioned about form guide and, and everything this in, this transfer embargo is really hurting them, and they they need some more bodies, which they're not able to get at the minute. So, Chris is a little bit pessimistic that they're. I mean, not not abnormal for a National League uh, fan, but a little bit pessimistic that they'll be able to cause too many problems at Wrexham. I mean, you know, he saw it at Notts County; they got blown away there, beaten by Chesterfield on Tuesday night. As you say, given the home form, you know, given a couple more changes maybe to the side, Dordigo unchanged. I don't know. We've got so many options. It, we, we, it's a game we should be winning, shouldn't it? Yeah, if you really? look at look at Southend's last six games, they've got three wins and three defeats. The wins were against Torquay, Gateshead, and Halifax. So three teams near the bottom. The three games they lost were against Notts, Barnet, and Chesterfield. So Wrexham know that the top teams are beating them. They've got to get the same this weekend. We can make arguments for any team to beat Wrexham because we're pessimistic by nature. The fact of the matter is Wrexham are 35 points ahead of Southend already. There has to be a chance for us now to, to show that. We've got to just make it count. Every game is going to be the stereotypical cup final. There's going to be extra pressure on them all. But we've dealt with that so far. We've had enormous pressure and expectation on us this season and we're still going. Ten games left. It feels so close now. Any drop points, any miss any bad decision is going to be amplified it's going to be tetchy nervous it's going to be cold it might not be the best atmosphere on saturday if rex and win it will be though i want to enjoy it rich i really want to just enjoy i want to enjoy it. it's hard to enjoy it though isn't it i don't know we've said this before but it it's hard to enjoy i don't know it because all you want you just want to get to that point whenever the title's clinched i say when you know a lot could happen but you just want to clinch it now and, and and try and enjoy it um and if it was t- if it was too up automatic we'd we'd probably we'd, we'd have been drinking and partying s- since about a month or two ago you know we, we, we'd be home and hosed um that's not the case god that easter monday game is going to be tough isn't it and tickets go on sale for that uh when is that now tickets go on sale for that on friday tickets going on sale all the time the oldham game tickets go on sale at 10 a.m the day this is released and I think Friday, 10 a.m. is the Notts County ticket. So all the best to everyone trying to get tickets. To the people DMing us, uh, asking for any loopholes to tickets, we don't have any. Um, just like uh, the rest of you, I will be trying to get hold of tickets uh, for these home games. So, yeah, fingers firmly crossed. And like you say, 10 games to go, Rich. I think we're out of the 
long way to go territory now. There isn't a long way to go. We can see the finish line. And it and it's a race to the finish. We've just got to keep we're ahead at the minute. We've just got to keep ahead and uh yeah, and not stumble on the way. And we will be with you every step of the way here on Rob and Red. Happy birthday, Nathan Soul. It won't be by the time you listen to this though. Twenty seven years young. Wrexham, top of the table, a four point lead. We'll be back next week to reflect on whatever happens at the Kairos this weekend and look ahead to the trip to face Bromley a week on Saturday as well. And thank you very much once again to our podcast sponsors, Red Ted People Development, and a special shout out to Rex and Bass Band's Hypnotic as well for producing their music and letting us use it in this podcast. So yeah, back the boys, make some noise. We'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.